Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Ken Kinsley. Dueling questions. We just went back and forth conversation. Thanks, Ken. Here it is, but first, thanks, sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. So thanks, Ken. And here's our conversation, our questions back and forth. I think it's difficult to jump back in. And you're seeing the prices things go for now. You're remembering I used to have things, and if you don't have them anymore, then surely they were in gem mint condition, you know, even though they weren't graded. So you've never had the shock of Rip Van Winkle, of being gone for 20 years, showing up, and a $10 card is now a $1,000 card. Definitely had lean years, and then I've had times where I collected hockey in my teens, and then I got away from it for a decade and came back to it, and things were just different. There were times in the 80s, probably in the 90s, if you took a few years off, you could jump back in and our magazines were strong in those days. You would understand the format and all that, but now it's very different. You go to a show and it's just a different world. A lot more online virtual selling of cards. If you went to an LCS, maybe going to an LCS would be good. You wouldn't be overwhelmed if it was a well-established LCS. What's been your experience with the local card shops? Have you had a favorite one? Because I think they're part of the lifeblood of the hobby. I agree they are. With how I collect, though, and a lot of the stuff I do collect, the LCS typically hasn't always been, especially in the last few years. Now, when I was buying packs and just opening boxes as a teen, yeah, it had already gone from things being at grocery stores where you could get them too. I go to the grocery store with mom and, hey, mom, can I get a couple packs? We'll be good and we'll get you a couple packs. Then it became it was a card shop. Yeah, I think what you're saying is right. In the 80s and 90s, if you took, say, five, 10 years off, you could always go back to Beckett because that's where the information was. There were some other magazines, but now the information is everywhere. And there's so many parts of the hobby, it seems like. Maybe there were all these parts 25, 30 years ago, but I didn't know about them. I don't think there were. There were shows and the big shows at that time. There was some chaos at the big shows, but then you could see the card. And even though the magazine would say, this is the price, it might be in better or worse condition. So not really a bargain if it's dinged up badly. What's your preferred mode of buying cards? Is it sight unseen or at a show? I love shows because you can see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's finite. And I agree, LCS, it's a great experience, but that's not really what I'm looking for. Yeah, show over LCS, just the being able to look at so many different things. But if I'm trying to work on one of the 1950 or 1960s IndyCar sets, even the Dallas Card Show, those cards aren't there. So eBay does become the primary. I'm starting to look for a 1950 Bowman autogram. And I know, yeah, I can buy it on eBay. Or you know what? I can buy it off Roger at the Dallas Card Show if he has one. Okay, maybe I pay 30 bucks more, which is 10%, 8% more. But I now bought that off Roger. Of my T206s, I bought more off Roger than I bought off anybody. Okay. But I've still bought more online than I've bought from him. I remember those first T206s I bought from him for five bucks because they had a cigarette burn through them and two of the corners were missing. I paid $5 each for those, but those are probably that level below a coffin card. That's defined by you as you're going to carry that to your grave. And is that a long list of cards or is it a short list? Because you've mentioned a few, but are you going to fill up the coffin? My point is, is it going to be a lot of extra weight in there, Ken, or they're going to stuff it in your suit coat? I'm a big boy, so I'm probably taking most of that coffin up myself. (laughs) But I'd say we probably have a, a, a rotating top 10 or 25, you know, just going back to what we talked about, just things that have a memory. Cards my uncle gave me 
I graduated college in 2001. My college graduation gift was a Donruss Cal Ripken Jr. rookie and a 1985 Topps Mark McGuire. So we both know that McGuire was worth way more then. But even if those values were what they were then, those cars are worth way more to me. I have sold and traded some cards over time. I wish I hadn't. So I think that makes me a little more attached to particular cards. I haven't uh, done episodes about mortality, and it's never really come up that the coffin cards, as you say, uh, there might be some dispute at the reading of the will. (laughs) Somebody would say, we can't let that happen. If the cards are too valuable, then they would say you're not of sound mind if you're going to bury something that's extremely valuable, maybe tens of dollars, hundreds of dollars, maybe, but thousands of dollars. Now you're talking, your heirs may say, let's put a facsimile in there, or or let's swap that out for a lesser condition one or something. Um, In in my case, those coffin cards aren't the high dollar ones necessarily. Well, there you go. That's perfect. It's that beaten up 1980 tops Ricky Henderson that would be a PSA one. It's that Mark McGuire 85 tops that came from my uncle. It's my first Dale Earnhardt autograph that was purchased by my wife for me for Christmas. Things like that. Yeah. What are you going to do if cremation is... um in vogue or mandated. We've had that conversation. That's actually the route we both want to go. And I never really put the two and two together. I don't know if I have to change earn that card. now. It's an earned <laughs> card. <laughs> yeah, they that's could, a good question. Never. They could sprinkle the ashes of your 85 McGuire and your 80 Henderson. I don't know where you want your ashes sprinkled, but I guess they'd be uh, sprinkled in with yourself. Scary thought. Scary be there. I guess that's one way to take them with me when I go. They say the customer is always right. If the dead person is the customer, then they say, this is the way I want to do my funeral. But I don't have any close relatives that are lining up to get my cards anyway. One of the things too, though, is I'll be 43 late next month. I want to get things in line to where it's a collection that I love. But hopefully, if I go before my wife, I don't want her to be overwhelmed. She knows who to talk to if that if that were to happen. But if I can have that in a lot less cards, it's a lot less overwhelming. I'm remembering one of the questions you asked me a while back about the perhaps changing tax rules. If the rules start getting changed to where there's taxation on uh, gains that are not realized or, or a wealth tax, y- y- your collection is is now a taxable entity. And, 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 I, up, and that's a scary thought for all of us. Mm-hmm. The government is going to be looking for more tax revenues, I'm sure. And that wasn't even in my thought process of why I'm trying to evolve my collection a little bit. But like you said, maybe it's by how many cards you have. If you have 25, 5,000 count boxes back there, (laughs) that's a little different than if if it's a handful of cards. If they took price guide value for monster boxes of even 88 Madonras, if they're a nickel a card, it's just Mm -hmm. outrageous. Absolutely. And many of them are more than that. A dime, a quarter, the monster boxes are hundreds of dollars. In some cases, you could sell it for 10 bucks for the whole box. And that five, but in that five to 20 cent difference between a nickel and a dime or a nickel and a quarter, people forget how quickly that adds up. Times 5,000, times 10,000, times 50,000. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No matter what your age is or socioeconomic status, most people don't like change, especially change. It's not for the better, but I think we're going to be tending toward more taxation as, yeah. as you age, as I age, I think five years from now, the situation isn't going to be better. And now we have inflation that's, I think, on the radar, which the cards are tangible and all that. But you're not really an investor, it doesn't sound like. No, you're more I'm of a not. collector that will enjoy having cards go up in value, but it's not essential. I think that's... Exactly. Like I'm a big Charles Barkley fan. He's my all-time favorite basketball player. If I didn't watch the crossover with Chris House of Jordans and Josh, 
I didn't realize until about a month ago that Kaboom cards are just going through the roof. I have the first two Barkley Kabooms, and those are for my PC, but I also know what I paid for them. And I'm like, man, if I could sell both of these, what could I get? Maybe it's worth it. I didn't buy it as an investment, but if I can turn that into a PSA whatever autogram rookie, that's probably worth it. Yeah, I'm just the biggest proponent of collect what you love, and you really can't go wrong. But you don't restrict by trying to get cards when that are in their active playing career. I just acquire them as I find them. In my sport lots box, I've got a lot of 260 Barclays that I won for 15 bucks a year ago. I'll take them, I'll sleeve them up, I'll put them in there, and I have them. A lot of people in this community are great and they like to send gifts, random acts of kindness. If all I'm collecting is these six sets and these six guys, and they're all some of the greatest, that doesn't leave anybody anything to send me. <laughs> but they can send me because I personally love sending and love seeing someone get excited over a 10 cent card or a $3 card that didn't really mean that much to me. I truly believe in most cases that people feel the same way when they send me something. I like to have those other collections where, yeah, if anybody wants to send me any Charles Barkley they want, I don't care if it's playing day or not. One of the guys I really collect is Frank Gatsky, but he only has one major release and he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, yeah, I do check out the auctions. And if I can find what I think is pretty cheap, he was in some of the Donruss Classics sets. I'm going to pick that up because I can only have so many 1955 Bowman Frank Gatsky cards. What's one piece of advice you'd have for someone entering the hobby today? I think you can be seduced by the fact that most cards are going up in value. Uh, You can't even say that anymore because some things have gone up so much. The emphasis on what has already gone up to buy, that's not how people do the stock market usually. It, It needs to keep going up. And it keeps going up if there's a reason, but it's buy something you think is going to go up or buy something you think is undervalued. Most people don't have a good reference for what would be undervalued. As we said about Rip Van Winkle, if you were collecting 20 years ago and then you came back this year, would there be any bargains out there at all other than some junk wax stuff? But stuff at the shows, you just would have a sticker shock. And if people were to go slow because this is a passion hobby. In passion hobbies, you don't want to go slow. You want to jump in with both feet and, and really get the, the full enjoyment right from the get-go. But if you were to study it a little bit, I mean, more on the analytical side or, or make smaller bets. Don't jump in and buy the most expensive card immediately. Learn about the hobby. See what the scarcities are. Not just looking at pop reports because pop reports are the point in time that so many have been graded. But if an unpopular player hits it big, the initial pop reports are going to be really low. He's going to look low pop. You wake up a year later, if he has enduring uh, value, he's going to be all over the place. Junk slabs, as they say. Yeah. There are some wrong ways. Well, one wrong way is to borrow a bunch of money <laughs> or take money from your family. There are no sure things. My seven existential threats to the hobby of, of things that could happen to our society but that, that could cause even Mickey Mantle to go down. People say Mickey Mantle could never go down. Babe Ruth could never go down. If everything goes down, then baseball cards are going to go down too. And there's different ways that could be. I don't think those are very unlikely and it probably won't happen, but something could happen and you shouldn't bet the whole farm, even in collecting. And if those do go down, then it's probably something catastrophic. And we've got bigger issues than what our baseball cards are worth. But, But I've often said, if everything dropped in half, you'd be very curious about what was out there for Charles Barkley. Mm hmm You'd be looking to pick up stuff that heretofore you were thinking, I I really don't want to spend that kind of money on that card. Uh, You bought the Kaboom cards because you liked Barkley. I bet you didn't pay anything close to what they're going for now. 
No, absolutely not. They could be a thousand percent more now, but you said these look cool. It's my player. I'm going to buy it. They're good. Inserts are now back in vogue, I think, Absolutely. of the the colorful, attractive ones. If you could undo one trading card intervention over time, what that might be? I have one trade I'd like to undo. Traded a, a 52 mantle. Tops Mantle for a Betamax. That's my worst trade ever. I'm so glad that I got something out of you that I hadn't heard before. It gets worse, actually. I had to hand deliver the card to the guy in a different state. He gave me his brand new Betamax. It was when Betamax was 1979. I drove it to the guy. And it gets worse. He lived in Florida, Miami. 79. Were you living down here then? No, I was in Ohio. I was in Bowling Green. I'd go down I-75. Now I want my mantle back. Now it wasn't in great condition. It was in bad condition. But still, it was a willing deal. It may even have been my idea. This is so horrible as I relive it. For those of us that hold you in high regard, apparently Dr. Beckett is human. Okay, Actually, so my innovation would be I would have outlawed trading for non-cards. If I outlawed trading, then I would not have been able to make that deal because the guy had no cards. He was an attorney. I saw him at a card show and he said, I really want that mantle. I said, it's not for sale. It's not for trade. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I do import export and I have the newest, latest, greatest Betamax. It blows away VHS. It's state of the art. And I'd be willing to trade you that. I know the Betamax is worth a lot more. Than the mantle, but still, just for sentimental reasons, I'd like to have the mantle card. Oh, that's good. That's good. But I drove it to him, Ken. Is that? Oh gosh, I'm living to tell about it. So maybe that's not so bad. And I did replace the card, so I do have it. it, it that was a duplicate. Which, if it hadn't been, again, I, so my innovation is no more trading for non-cards. <laughs> that is fantastic. I okay, am so happy. I heard something new. Uh, you're you're hurting me here. The man-